So, uh, which snooze fest shall we talk about first? CSKA Moscow away or, or the Derby? I can't believe that after two such dull games, you're awake enough to record the intro. First time out, no hitches, nothing. In like Flynn, first time Eddie. <laughs> yeah, one take Edward, that's what they call you. Um, uh, I guess let's do it in chronological order, shall we? I, I think I'm probably going to uh, maybe be a bit more upbeat about these two games than, than other people, but that's boringly predictable, isn't it? What did you make of the CSKA game? Well, I thought it was reasonably dull, but United were in quite a lot of control. So there wasn't really a sense that United were ever going to lose that game. I know we were actually behind for like an hour or something like that, uh, but I always felt that they were in the game. Uh, really? Even in the first half? Yeah, I mean, definitely better after the break. Uh, and um, CSKA had more chances in the first half. I guess we kind of thought that had happened though, right? And pattern of the United's play is pretty predictable. Uh, but as soon as they got Herrera into the into the game a little bit more, then then it all seemed to kind of click, right? You know, he Herrera is the of the top four Past combinations, he's in all of them, right? Not not a surprise, right? Um, and, uh, and and eventually United got into the game. I'm just there were some frustrations in the team selection. He, he picked Lingard, which normally a young player coming into the United side would not be a frustration, definitely not. And I've got a lot of time for Jesse Lingard. He's you know he's not he's not that young anymore. He's 22 and he's definitely worked and he's he's earned his shot. Um, but he was in there for defensive reasons, not attacking ones. You know, he, running going backwards and running going forwards, as Van Hal said. So United were, I think, there for a point and, and managed to get it. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk in the pre-match stuff from Van Hal, basically saying, we need a point, three points is great, we need a point, we're here for a point, we need a point, 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 point. Oh yeah, three points is possible, point, 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 point. You know, it was it was very clear that that was the agenda. Um I, I was really, I thought we really, really struggled in that first half. I thought um, Mario Fernandez, Fernandez on their right back caused all sorts of problems. Uh, tactically, Rojo was really uh, not supporting Martial. So Martial was constantly one against two when he had the ball. And so he'd beat the first man and get tackled by the second. And Fernandez did kind of a number on Martial in that first half. He did actually lose the ball more frequently than we're used to. And yeah, and didn't get a lot of support. And uh, and he was a long, long way away from Rooney most of the time. And as you said, um, CSK had a lot more chances in that first half. I think uh, I think the by the final tally, uh, both sides had seven shots on target or seven seven attempts at goal rather, and um, four of United's and two of CSK's came in the second half. So kind of tells you how much uh, the half the halftime situation changed things. Um, just looked a different team was much more in control and uh, it was interesting to see Fellaini starts warming up you're afraid he's going to take off Herrera and play Fellaini at 10 and just lump long balls up to him but he actually made quite a tactically progressive change bringing Fellaini on for Schreinsteiger and moving to the 4-3-3 that we saw so much last season with Herrera and Fellaini ahead of Schneiderlin which I thought was an interesting tweak. Yeah, and, and uh, United started moving the ball quicker, which I think was the really important part about that second half. Uh, and and another miracle happened in Moscow, not just John Terry slipping for that penalty, uh, but Antonio Valencia, not only did he beat his fullback, uh, but then he put in a fine cross. Beautiful cross. I mean... Be- wow, we say that, but I actually think, I think the truth is he was trying to cut it back to the edge <laughs> of the area and he's kind of shinned it. 
and it's kind of looped up and and uh, Anthony Marshall's kind of dived in from Musial, sorry, uh, has dived in from about 40 yards out and headed it in. Some something. I like mean, that. he didn't beat his man to get the crossing position. The crossing position was uh, was made by Herrera's Iniesta-esque through ball. Someone on Twitter just added me repeatedly saying that through ball from Herrera was just a normal, ordinary pass. If that's a normal, ordinary pass, why doesn't it happen every game that someone splits, like beats four defenders with one pass and totally carves open a chance? It was a beautiful through ball from Herrera. Lovely cutback from Valencia. But Martial's header was... Because Akinfeev was on, in decent form and he, he really had to put it exactly where he put it to, to beat Akinfeev. Is it anything that Martial can't do? No. I mean, you know, he's, he's just a top-class forward. And what do you do when... You know, your your top class forward is in great form and he's clearly by absolutely miles the best striker at the club. Obviously, you stick him on the left wing, obviously. I mean, I'm not in theory against the principle of Martial playing there. He played there for France, did really well. Played there for us, did really well. Yeah, what? No, totally. Yeah. Absolutely fine if you didn't have a total thunder of a striker up front. <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry, I, I love Rooney. Really, honestly, honestly, I, I found myself writing two thousand words about Rooney, but turning thirty, uh, and I read it through a couple of times afterwards, as you, as you do, and it's a remarkably balanced piece. There's there's no hate in there whatsoever. I, I don't actually hate the guy. He's rubbish. He's totally, totally rubbish. He <laughs> is, uh, and we could play almost anyone there and be a better team for it. He's just really bad. And as a consequence, we're sacrificing Marshall in, in a sense, you know. Of course he can play left and, and he could score plenty of goals and he'll cause lots of damage. But it's going to help United so much when he's back at number nine. Yeah, I wrote in my um, New Maxit column this week, which is out today, if this podcast comes out on Monday, I wrote that every time Martial takes on a right back, you can't help wondering what it would be like if he was taking on the centre-back. You know, because then when he beats his man, he's by the penalty spot with only the keeper to beat him. And of course, it's not quite like that. You don't generally get as much opportunity to run at a centre-back. But still, it's just going to keep happening, isn't it? I mean, it happened again. I guess this is a decent enough segue into... Oh, I, I, the one thing about that Moscow game was interesting that Rocco was quite bad after being quite good against Everton, really struggled with Fernandes and just never kind of beat, went past the halfway line and actually United looked better when Blint came on at left-back. And I wondered I wondered whether he'd start Blint at left-back against City, but Rocco was very good against City. Yeah, I, I mean, he, look, he's had three games, well, four now of the City game. Uh, this season, so you know he's a long way behind everyone else in their fitness. Yeah, um, much like Rooney, you know, he's still trying to catch up with his fitness after 14 games this season. I mean, in the first half, I saw people saying on Twitter like, "Oh, it's, this is typical," and he's being scapegoated again. Everyone's like, "Your precious under Herrera's not provided him with any chances, has he?" And it's like, okay, fine. In the second half, he got quite a few chances, didn't do anything with them, got quite a lot of the ball, didn't do anything with it. It's you know, it's it's fine. It's if you want to. Defend Rooney as he currently stands, fine. Yeah, he's just, he's playing terribly. He played terribly again against City. It's not decline, it's poor form. It's just that the poor form has been for three years and it's increasing (laughs) each year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing, like... He's pining. He's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He is an ex-footballer. 
What can you say? What's the point anymore? I mean, people are sick of us talking about it. Well, one guy says in in using the hashtag Rankcast, please don't talk about Rooney. And we've got like 700 Rankcast questions all just about, what are we going to do about Rooney? You know? What's that guy at LVG? <laughs> On Twitter, yeah, he was quite annoyed uh, after the. I, I watched the. Uh, I watched the feed, and it's uh, it's quite funny. He was really quite annoyed about people asking about him. But what do you expect? Your your best played, paid and played, unfortunately, uh, player, uh, and you know the star man, the the elder statesman of the club, the captain is playing like a total dog. What do you expect? You're going to expect questions. And and, and it's, you know, I, I don't know he's in total denial and there's some other thing going on here, but uh, Van Gaal just won't accept it. He just won't accept it. Sir, I have to talk every week about Rooney. Why? <laughs> he said to the journalist. <laughs> then he said a bit more stuff. Then he goes, I don't give any answer anymore about Wayne Rooney. I am sick of it. It's just like, we're all sick of it too, Louis. We're all sick of it too. Just dump him. Dump him, drop him, sell him, kill him, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> no, don't kill him. But this is the thing. Like, this is the thing. Because it is... Somebody put this graph on Twitter with a line going down and a line going up. And it's like, Rooney is a footballer going down. Rooney is a human being going up. He's definitely getting... Like, he's definitely a better person than he used to be. He's quite an endearing character off the pitch these days. His teammates clearly absolutely love him. The problem is on the pitch. The problem is this ain't about transfer requests. This isn't about his place in the Pantheon as a United great or anything like this. This is about the fact that United with Rooney is ten and a half men instead of a full team. I'm not saying you drop Rooney and everything gets better. I am saying it would be really nice to see what happened. Yeah, it, it certainly would be. Yeah, no, I mean... Completely agree. It's uh, it's just really odd compromising so much. And given the failings of a lot of teams uh, in the Premier League this season, no one's a perfect team. I mean, City blow hot and cold. They've got more attacking talent than than any of the other teams, but can't always apply it. I mean, completely neutral or neutralised against United. Um, and Arsenal, we know they'll blow up after Christmas. Chelsea have had the most hilarious starts of the season. So there's so many failings. United could actually, given there are still holes in United's squad, could have a run at the title. Could, could. But it's not going to happen with Rooney scoring 10 goals. You can't have your main striker scoring 10 goals a season. And it ain't even the goals that's the real problem, is it? No, no. It's the, it's the, it's the lack of movement. He actually ran into the channel at one point today. I was like, Christ, what's happened there? And we did that a lot against Everton, mm-hmm. actually. But anyway, should we just agree to, like, sorry to everyone that's asked a specific rank cars question about Rooney, but we're not going to take any of them because that's the Rooney bit out of the way. We'll just... We'll just move on from that subject for the day. We're now going to call him the veteran because he's over 30. <laughs> yeah, and happy birthday, was I? I hope you had a really nice one. And all of this, everything about Rooney's career makes perfect sense if you time shift it back five years. If this was his 35th birthday, that all, everything all makes sense. And given when he started playing in football terms, it is the equivalent because he wasn't 21 when he burst on the scene, he was 16. True, true. Uh, although the amount of games he's played is still nowhere near 
Ryan Giggs is. But, and you know, hey. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm no physical specimen, but even if I was in great shape, I wouldn't be comparing myself to Ryan Giggs as a kind of, uh, he's, there's like Ryan Giggs and Javier Zanetti and that's it really, isn't it? Yeah, no, 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 true. It looked like he had a nice birthday. He had, he had balloons and uh, balloons spilling out 30 and a fancy looking cake. And, he, and his wife apparently gave him a, a set of golf clubs. Uh, with his name inscribed on them and an England flag. A uh, bit, bit tacky, that, I thought. And a Gibson guitar. Very nice. I'm not sure if Rooney can play, but he, he got a very fancy guitar. And, and lots of other boxes. He can't play, but he does collect guitars. Oh. He'll learn when he's retired, I'm sure. Um, uh, so, the... Uh the City game then. That Rooney was terrible. No. <laughs> we, we're not talking about him. We'll talk about the other 10 players, shall we? Yeah. And first of all, when you looked at City's lineup, I thought it was really smart of Pellegrini to play Torre at 10 uh, rather than play Navas out wide and play Sterling and De Bruyne on either side. I thought that was a really interesting shift. Although, and, and it was almost like a nod of respect to United as well, like to put Fernando and Fernandinho both in that midfield. Although maybe playing Fernando is not actually a mark of respect, but the ultimate disrespect to United. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I thought that was that was kind of an interesting and, and smart tactical decision, but it didn't work out because we absolutely battered him for a lot of that game. Well, had control in midfield, certainly, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't know whether you can say you battered someone when you had one shot on target. But... <laughs> I, I kind of mean, meant in, just in midfield, yeah, so yeah. it's been a long time. We had day. a lot of possession and lots of control, so Louis will be very happy. No, like Schneiderlin, Schweinsteiger and Herrera um, were better than Torre, Fernando and Fernandinho by quite some dif- mm. distance. And and Schweinsteiger didn't really have a very good game, you know. No. Nope. Um, Schneiderlin was excellent. He was all over the place. Uh, he was excellent in Moscow as well, yeah, I meant yeah. to say I that. Mean, so, really, two really good games in a row from him. Three, actually. Someone was uh, moaning uh, to me on Twitter about him saying, uh, what does he do? I think he's Mr. Invisible. And I was like, he's, he's the team's water carrier. That's what he's supposed to do. And he does it very very well you know he's um he took him a little bit of time to warm up to united i thought mm-hmm. but i think he's had a, a fine like last six weeks or so and he's you know he's not he's not always in the team but more often than not he is and i think with the big games he will be and i think it's kind of important because he's got the leg yeah absolutely um, and carrick and, and schweinsteiger don't and and uh van hal appears to be reluctant to play herrera in there at eight i actually think herrera would be better in there at eight and we should play him in there at eight in in games where we don't need two holders but there you go anyway Schneiderlin very good today mm, yeah, he was um Martial very good today this is broken record territory at this point um he's just his feet are as quick as any I've ever seen there's a moment where he's one-on-one with Sanya in the first half and he was over on the side where I was sat so it was really had a really good view of it and you just so often see players in that position run at the defender and get dispossessed. But he manages to knock the ball forward, drag it across and knock it past Sanya, all without breaking stride. It, yeah. A really remarkable dribbler of the ball. There's a great YouTube video, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, of the French squad uh, in 98 uh, talking about Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Right. Uh, and it's Desai and Turam. Like uh, going, oh, he always does this trick and there's kind of mimicking Ronaldo's style of running. So he goes left and he goes right. Uh, this is 
Turam saying he goes left and he goes right. And Desai was like, yeah, I played him once. Uh, he, he did that, but I didn't even see the ball. He was past me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> really funny. They're like, kind of laughing about it. Um, and that's Martial, right? Yeah. They don't even see it. I mean, he absolutely roasted Sanya again and again. Uh, he roasted Sanya the, the second time he roasted him. Fernando came over and hacked him down, got a yellow card for it. And, mm. uh, you know, just any time he gets five yards, and at some point defenders will have to get closer to him, he's going to beat them. And when they get close to him, his first touch is mesmeric is awesome you know he yeah. can he's he's got a soft touch but he's also got that kind of dynamic touch where he can whip it past the player in in one go as well you know he's 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 the real deal this kid yeah no no doubt just give him the ball and he's going to cause trouble play him through the middle please yeah well right and and the thing you really don't one is him being, you know, ripped apart by process, right? Being scared to take on players because he gets coached out of him. And I don't know what happened in his younger career, but but modern coaching normally kills this in players, doesn't it? You know, too many risks. Um, and with Van Gaal, you'd think too many risks. But at the moment, that message isn't getting to him. He's he's going for it. He does lose the ball in possession sometimes, but he's taking players on and you know, need a player like that. It's so much less of a risk when he does it than when other people do it. If you look at his success percentage, there's like way less of a mathematical risk for Martial to take someone on than for other players to take someone on because he's successful so often with those take-ons. It's incredible and his first whatever it is eight weeks at the club nearly two months at the club has got to be one of the best first two months of the club of any player ever at United right seven successful take-ons today and six failures but he's it's because he's going at players yeah it's just yeah he's a he's superb and that header in Moscow it's like oh yeah here's another another aspect of number nine play and you know he was in good form at the back end of last season, right? This is the narrative about him when you look at the number of those career goals were very low before he came to United. and But he was in good form at the back end of that season. But nobody... Van Gaal did not expect Martial to impact on United like this when he signed him. No way. He said during the week that, you know, I'm not surprised by his quality because we've scouted him thoroughly. We know he's an excellent player. I am surprised by his consistency because you just don't expect that from 19-year-olds. So other 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 players in the game today matter a bit quiet. Uh, I have to say he didn't really get hold of the game. Although, you know, he was one of the players that was helping United have control of the game. And once him and Schweinsteiger went off, then City came into it a bit, but not like United were in loads of pressure. So not, not wonderful. Jones, excellent today, I thought. Thought he was uh, really solid. Valencia, everyone, everyone was moaning about him before the game, of course. But he had a fine game. He was a fine game. He got forward all the time, and uh, you know he, he just looked very dynamic. And there you go, credits him. Yeah, and and tough test against City because they've got some superb attacking players down those flanks. As Sterling and De Bruyne have settled well at City and and made them an even better side. Uh, they did look like they missed Aguero a lot today. I thought. Um, um, yeah, I mean he's. I mean he's absolutely electric in in you know in the box, Aguero. But he's also he can you know he runs the channels. He makes intelligence runs. He helps his forwards as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So yeah, they definitely missed him. And um, De Bruyne. The funny thing about De Bruyne, he's he's not super super quick, but 
his ability to pick the right pass at the right time is almost second to none. You know, that's why his numbers are so high. And he just wasn't quite able to do it because United's defence was nice and tight today. But he's going to get a lot of assists and a lot of goals, uh, I'm sure, this season. And Sterling was very, very quiet. Just couldn't get into the game, you know. So credit to Valencia and and Mata for doing the covering job there. And um, Smalling, I mean, again, I think you said last week, we can no, I think it was the guy you were talking about, but but Smalling just has is superb every week now. This is just the new the new default Chris Smalling, and it's been for such a long time now that I don't think it's form. I think something's clicked in him. Yeah, Rooney called him one of the top three central defenders in the world. Wow, well, it might be a bit too soon to say that. I mean, you know, do it in the latter stages of the Champions League this season, and then you know we got to go. Yeah, that's that's right. But um, Van Hal also talked about him as potential captain material which was interesting, I thought, because we had that question on the pod and I was like, well, maybe. It's hard to say, isn't mm. it? But there you go. He, he sees some leadership qualities in him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> nothing. Nope, not making the joke. The matter thing, I was so frustrated. Easily the most frustrated I've ever been with Louis van Gaal, and that's saying something, was when he took matter off for Lingard. So predictable. And it was genuinely an idiotic substitution from from where I was sitting. It looked like a, a really, really foolish move. Yeah, Mada looked a bit downcast, I'd say, as well. Yeah. and But you're right, he's United's most creative player, the one player who's likely to unlock a, 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 um, a chance and also uses the ball really well, you know. But Lingard's in there for energy. He's in there for, for you know, Sterling and Kolarov, plenty of running there, and, and that's why he came on. It was a purely defensive move. It was, but it... The, the timing of it looked so pre-planned. Like, OK, if we've not scored after 60 minutes, I'll take Matter off and bring Lingard on and try and push push City back on their heels a little bit with a bit more running. And you said Mata hadn't really been in control of the game, and that's absolutely true. But he did look to me like someone who was ready to do something at any moment in that game. He looked really alive, really sharp. and And his body language when he came off kind of belied the fact that he was feeling his oats in that game. He was, you could see the kind of, you know, matter, you just make that key run or that key ball at the right time and totally change a game, even when he's not having a brilliant game. Uh, and this looked like, this looked like that kind of moment. I was, I was very frustrated by that substitution, much less frustrated yeah. by the substitution of Fellaini for Scheinsteiger, which is not something you'd necessarily expect to say, but he's got a new part, a job share partner. You call Carrick, his job share partner last week, but he's got a new one. Fellaini is uh, <laughs> Apparently, yeah. uh, two games in a row. And, and yeah. again, the slight change in shape. He, he did all right, Fellaini. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he, good. He, he didn't do loads, but Lingard, interesting, because he came on and, of course, hit the bar with uh, with that kind of lobbed shot. Yeah. Uh, but but let's talk about the pass to Martial, because we forgot about this, actually. So he can he can run with the ball. We know that. He takes players on. He's, he's a superbly composed finisher. Um, he's very neat and tidy in possession. He can head the ball, we now know, in Moscow. Oh, and by the way, he can pass it like Eric Cantona. Chips <laughs> pass over the top. Van Gaal saying of Lingard, I, I was surprised. I didn't know he had that in him of that finish attempt. It would have been absolutely unbelievable if that had gone in. Because, yeah, I want to make it extremely clear. I wasn't never sad to see Jesse Lingard come onto the pitch for United. That's always a, you know, a kind of joyous thing, especially what we were talking about earlier in the season with the kind of lack of players coming through the system. He, he's one that's been there from a very, very young age. Um, 
So it's lovely to see him on the pitch, but yeah, just there's no way he should have taken Matter out of that game. And we had we just had a lot less control of, of the game after that. The whole atmosphere of the game changed at that moment. United were so dominant for the first fifteen minutes after the after half time. Uh, Memphis looked gutted when Valencia was injured and uh, Damian had to come on and Memphis had been warming up for 20 minutes probably by that point just looked absolutely dejected as he trotted back to the bench yeah we need Memphis to be putting in some superb performances in training because Mm. then he can play and we can have a new number nine up front just hint 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 (laughs) yeah of course that's when Herrera drops to the bench (laughs) (laughs) Rocco was uh, was was much better in this game I thought than he was in Moscow uh, supported Martial but also just really solid defensive work and especially in the first half that was really important we just we just handled their counter attack brilliantly Pellegrini said in his post-match interview we don't like to play with 10 men behind the ball it's not our natural way of playing it's not how I, he was sort of saying it's not how I believe the game should be played but just occasionally you just have to do it and this was one of those games and we proved we can play tactically uh, which is which is you know, in a way, that's a measure of progress, right? That United are now the kind of team that City have to take really, really seriously True. again. True, yeah. And United will finish in the top three this season. Pretty sure about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, just going to pick up enough points. The, the frustration is, just could push on. Just could push on. We're half an hour into this and we've covered uh, two of the dullest games of the season. Uh, we've got some decent games coming up. Uh, but should we do some Twitter questions first? Let's do it. All right, so I'm having to filter these out because literally 70% of them are about Rooney. At Luke Malia says, were City's support as loud as they sounded on TV? Is the singing section still in play? And what was the chant of the day? The City's support was loud for most of the game, as you'd expect from away support, just like United's would be at at City the singing section is most definitely still in play jumping for 90 minutes and it was quite relatively quiet for some of the game but when it got going it got extremely noisy chant of the day sadly is 20,000 empty seats isn't it that's always the chant of the day against City we can upgrade that now they've got a bigger stadium can't we or we could just drop it and move on it's as tired a joke as the Phil Jones joke for City fans they're just out tired joking each other and City fans are singing some offensive version of the Spirit in the Sky song uh, trying to work out which one is more disrespectful to the memory of George Best that was all there Um, (laughs) at Gary underscore Dunn says Blur or Oasis Uh, Oasis I guess I mean I can't say I was a big fan of either okay you had definitely maybe when that came out I remember that was in heavy rotation when, when it first came out there you go. Well, you know, it's a good album, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you know, tastes move on, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, at the time, it was Appar- apparently we now listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we've matured in our taste. Form. Have you listened to the Ryan Adams uh, version of 1989? It's kind of sad that I have, isn't it? <laughs> I've got two songs from that on my like heavy rotation Spotify playlist. Um, anyway. Um, I, I, at the time, there was no doubt for me. I definitely liked Oasis more than Blur. I, I saw Oasis at Nebworth, and uh, really, I was I was pretty swept up by the Oasis thing at the time. But I was a, I was a young man. It was nineteen ninety five. At Fergus Rockhard says, "Can you talk for a while about how brilliant the Darren Fletcher episode of Graham Hunter's Big Interview podcast was?" 
Did we not already talk about this? But um, it was great. No, we we were tweeting about it. Yes. It was really, really good. The Graham Hunter show is very good. He's very good. He's uh, crowdfunding, apparently. I, I, you know, I don't know. I can't do advertising like normal podcasts. No, wait there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crowdfunding um, to, to pay for production this year. It's well worth Ed, it. shh. Don't knock Kickstarters or crowdfunding for podcasts. I'm not. I'm certainly not. Uh, no, no, it's fine. You know, if you if you wish to give money to a podcast and it's not this podcast, I would thoroughly recommend uh, Graham Hunter's podcast. It's it's really good. It's an an hour whenever he does it. It's not every week, is it? It's right. sort of every month. Yeah. Um, and really, really in depth. And it was a a really good hour with uh, Darren Fletcher. Really good. Loads of insight about his life. Great anecdotes. Uh, it just seems like a, a really top guy and pro. Yeah, um, just soup, like just absolutely filled with love for Darren Fletcher and sadness about 2009 all over again. And he said in that podcast, he said, you know, maybe in the end my reputation grew because I didn't play in that final. I just thought that was a real moment of insight you know, and self-reflection. And he said, you know, there is that thing that footballers are injured, they, their reputation grows. And he thinks that sort of happened to him a bit. Maybe he got some more regard than he would otherwise have done. Undoubtedly, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Really interesting to hear him full of praise for Roy Keane's technical ability. Yeah, uh, called him one of the best passes he's ever played with. Yeah, and, uh, and, and to hear him kind of talk about finding a place for himself in that United side alongside Keenan's goals, realising he'd have to not necessarily concentrate on the technical aspect of the game. but Right, and he was an attacking midfielder in the youth teams at United and a very good one as well. And he very, very nearly made his debut age 16 and he would have done, but for the FA getting in the way with some stupid rule they had at the time, it took him a little while to get back into the first team picture. Um, he played out on the right for a long time. You know, we forget we're fans were calling him the Scottish player because mm. he wasn't well loved. But then he something clicked and he found this role for himself as a, a kind of defensive midfielder, sort of all action midfielder, and and he was very very good at it when he did it. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe I don't know if this is still true. This was like a week or so ago that I saw this statistic, but he's not missed a minute of football for West Bromwich since he signed for them. Which, given the state of him when he left United, absolutely remarkable. Yeah, because he really was struggling. He was really was struggling physically. But I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Tony Pulis has got him into shape in a way that Van. How could he? Yeah. And at CM Dixon 79, this is kind of an interesting question. Should we be expecting more from United by now? Or is this all part of the process? Uh, I feel like if you'd looked at the run of fixtures we had, so Wolfsburg, Arsenal, Everton, Moscow, City, and we've got what, six, seven, eight points out of those games. That seems like a very reasonable points tally from that run of fixtures. It is, but I think the question points to something more, doesn't it? It points to Louis van Gaal being in the job nearly 18 months now, having spent a huge amount of money, turned over a lot of players at the club. It's definitely his squad and his team. You you can definitely say that United will qualify for the Champions League this season. It'd be a real surprise if they didn't. And you can really say that United are likely to mount a title challenger, though. It wouldn't be a real surprise if they did. So that's the question, right? So we're not back in preeminence. This is not the Manchester United of old. Um, and the style of football is not always awesome, is it? 
Uh, more often than not, it's not great. Um, and, and I think maybe there's a wider wider question, you know. So good set of points over the last few games. Good set of points this season, you know. There's, um, right, try, trying to find some level of consistency. There always feels like there's that game in there that's likely to be lost at some kind, at some time. But trying to find a level of consistency, tactically smarter, defensively pretty sound. Um, a few problems in attack. I don't know what that could be. Um and, 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 you know, so there's progress, but this is not the Manchester United we have known over the last 20 years. But we've scored three goals in five of our last 10 games, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. But, but even then, some of those games were not that exciting. It's true, but it is, I do think, it's funny, funny that, as I say this, I'm looking at a calendar, and on that calendar for this month, it's a kind of thought for the month calendar, and this month calendar says perception is everything. And I was just literally about to say perception is everything here because... Where, where did you get that from? You see, that's, that's uh, by osmosis leaked into Yeah, exactly, because perception is everything. Um, but anyway... So, so I reckon Van Harley's... If you had the bastard love child of Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho, that would be Louis Van Hal. Because he's got this obsession with possession that, that, that Guardiola has. But I think instinctively, he's kind of a conservative coach. Um, and he thinks defence first. And that's Mourinho. He does. Uh, interesting, though, you know he's got this reputation for like asking players not to take risks. He said today that he said at half-time to his players, you know you can shoot from outside the box, right, if you want to. You, you are allowed. You don't just always have to try and work the perfect opening. Um, that's kind of interesting. And it's, in a way, like it's more like um, Mourinho and Pep are two, two mutations of the Van Gaal DNA, aren't they? Because they were both there at the same time uh, under... Van Gaal at Barcelona one as coach one as player they've gone off in different directions it's Shakespearean basically yeah what have you spent longer debating Phil Jones's best position or who should play number 10 asks known as Mike did we I don't think we ever debated Phil Jones's best position did we we, we just asked it every yeah, week we were but it's clearly centre half and, and time has proven us correct on this one yeah well look, while, while we're talking about Phil Jones very good today as I said earlier but he has struck up a good partnership with uh, Chris Smalling this is not an accident right no. they, they are playing well together and they played well together at the end of last season they did and you know, they're going to play well together until one of them, or probably Phil Jones, gets knacked again, right? That's what's going to happen. Chris at C Pus Charlie says, is Jesse Lingard finally being rewarded for his Ballon d'Or pre-season form? So, so good in pre-season, that kid. <laughs> That's cruel. Um, Rooney, 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 jeez. You lot are obsessed. Um, at LVG Red Manx says, oh, that was a joke, by the way, when I said you lot are obsessed, because people keep telling us we're obsessed with Rooney. Anyway, at LGVG Redmank says, how do you assess United's title chances based on what you saw today? I think that's a good last Twitter question to move into talk of the next couple of games as well. So so my prediction pre-season, uh, I, well, where did I predict this? I was on the Guardian video thing, uh, which I don't think they showed this clip. Given that they only filmed me for like 45 minutes for my 30 seconds of... He said, you said this last week as well. It just clearly, it's clearly stung you. Stung? It's hurt. It hurts. I've got to say, it's hurt. It's hit me there. <laughs> yeah, it really hasn't. I, I said that United would finish within five points of the top. And I think that would be a good finish. And I think that's right. And I think that ties into the question about whether we should be expecting more from United by now or if this is part of the process. And 
this season was all about consolidation. It was all about building. This whole thing about he spent a ton of money is a slightly a red herring because a ton of money went out of the squad in value in retirements of older players and also a huge chunk of the money that he spent was just Di Maria. It's kind of most of that came back into the side. So it's a slight red herring, isn't it? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's £100 million pounds worth, worth of players disappeared or something. Yeah, of of course. It's just it's just that thing about you know it's quite obvious where the weaknesses are. Could fix it. You know, it's really interesting. I was thinking about this today that that last season everything clicked for United once Van Persie got injured and he stopped trying to shoehorn a performance out of Van Persie. Just just have a think about that. To give you a minute to put the pieces to get see what we're saying. See, are the men in black or the Manchester Education Committee? Is he still in action? <laughs> Wandering lads, whether you want to pay a visit to... You know, no, no, come on, let's not advocate violence. I, I certainly wasn't. <laughs> um, please don't do it. God, that'd be terrible. Imagine if that happened now. Feel bad, wouldn't you, Ed? I'd, yeah, yeah. Are we overstating your influence on these I, I think so. <laughs> um, all right, what do you know about Middlesbrough? Loads, I know loads. It's uh, I saw Brian Robson in a corridor today. That's about what I know about Middlesbrough. Yeah, he was he was once manager. He was. How how is Robbo doing? I didn't talk to him. I just looked at him. Oh, it's Brian Robson. And I I uh, interviewed Brian Robson once. He was um, not quite as sober as you'd like him to be. <laughs> um, the reason that he springs to mind when you think about Middlesbrough is obviously he left us for them. But the greatest photo of all time, because he signed as player manager, so he's in shorts, football shorts, and like a suit and jacket <laughs> jacket top and holding a scarf aloft. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. They, they really did do the best photos in the 80s and 90s. This was the late 90s. <laughs> 90s football was definitely the best football. Um, but yeah, uh, who's Middlesbrough's manager now? So it's Aito Karanka, the ex-Spanish oh, international yeah. Real Madrid player, who's, who's doing pretty well, you know. They're fourth in the championship at the moment and going, you know, reasonably well and looking at having a shot at getting promoted to the Premier League. And still, Steve Gibson is still a the chairman there, still pumping the money in, still like the most loyal chairman there's ever been. Um, fine model of a chairman and you know they might do it uh, yeah they're a team that I sort of end up wishing well because of the Robson thing and because of the that chairman situation it does it does make a big difference um, I mean obviously I hope we absolutely you know demolish him Jonathan Woodgate still on the books there he is age like 97. It doesn't look like he's played this season, though, from this it's, list I'm looking at right now. I, I, I know, if you looked at his stats for the last 10 seasons or 15, <laughs> he, he doesn't look like he's played much this season. You know, he's still held together by Bostick. <laughs> um, Stuart Downing, uh, who I think signed for them in the summer, if I'm not, not wrong about that. That's right. Freebie from West Ham, David Nugent. Yeah, he's scoring. Um, not at an astronomical rate, but he's scored a few this season. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a few players who've got some experience in the in the top leagues, um, and, you know, and they're going well in the championship. And the, the funny thing is about the Capital One Cup, and this one's Old Trafford, right? So everyone mixes up, right? So Middlesbrough have got it. You know, championship is super tough. They play twice a week. Um, and the likelihood is that uh, Karanka will mix up his side. Um, and they will be playing not their strongest side, and neither will United. Or Mick McCarthy played a substitute eleven against us when he brought Ipswich to town, didn't he? Um, and and Van Gaal like dropped, well rested, 
two or three players and played an incredibly high high quality side. I wonder if Pereira will get a run out, bit of a forgotten man. Man's a strong word. Forgotten young man with Lingard coming into the first team picture. People will be thinking about Wilson. Be lovely to see Wilson getting a chance in this one at number nine. That'd be very interesting um, to see that happen. But given given he's not played any top flight, top level competitive football all season, whether he's going to start him or not, I guess that'll depend on how he thinks he's doing in training. Well, his match rhythm won't be there, will it? So nope. um, no, I, it would be nice to see a few of the younger players have a go. Um, he's he's used twenty five players this season, Van Hal, mm. um, but actually it's kind of concentrated so he's not he's not really spread the love around he hasn't which is why Wilson and Pereira just not in getting very many games I guess Memphis will be back yeah you'd think yeah it's well, a perfect opportunity yeah, it'd be nice to see Pereira Wilson and Memphis all in an attacking lineup there wouldn't it they they all deserve a game and I guess Fellaini may well start because he doesn't hasn't played in a while Carrick actually hasn't played in a while yep that's true. So we could see all of those. I guess Daly Blint also probably needs a game. He does, and uh, De Gea will play because he always plays. Um, yeah. But uh, the defenders can't swap around because there are no defenders to swap around. <laughs> no, I mean, you could put Blint at centre-back and give Jones a break, um, but probably Jones needs match rhythm more than he needs a break, although every time you play, you roll in the dice. I think if you stop the, the Jones bus, he gets injured, yeah, right? Yeah. So just, just keep playing. Yeah. So that that's that game. It doesn't matter much in the scheme of things, except we do need some silverware. And I imagine it will be a pretty strong squad. I, I doubt we'll see Wilson, Lingard and Pereira, or even maybe even not see two of them in the starting 11, but one of the three of them in the starting 11, probably. Uh, I guess Paddy McNair might have played if he wasn't uh, long-term injured, but of course he is. Um, so that's that game. I mean, it's it's hard to call one way or another because we've no idea what strength side Middlesbrough will play. And then another huge Premier League game, a real testing clash. I must admit, in all the excitement, I've not seen Palace's result this weekend yet. Yeah, they, they lost to Leicester. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, it's... Um... Interesting Palace, you know, because typically they're, they're good away from home, right? Mm. Um, better better record on the road than, than at uh, Selhurst Park. But uh, this was away at Leicester and they lost. So, But they're doing well. They're sixth. Uh, they picked up plenty of points. Um, Pardew's doing a good job there. Um, they've got a you know a good attacking unit with Balassi and Zahar um, as part of that. And uh, Punchin and and um, they will give United a good game, definitely. But they don't actually have a great record at Selhurst Park. Uh, no, <laughs> although of course they do have a great record of profound iconography at Selhurst Park because you know the thing that because happened, of the thing that happened, yeah, all those years ago. It's just the word Selhurst Park. There's an image that flashes immediately to mind when you think of that, isn't there? There is, yeah. When's Eric coming back? You know, to, to take over United with the class of 92. <laughs> Sam, Samuel Luckhurst put on Twitter this Fergie documentary from 1998. I made the mistake of watching it. And there's a bit where, excuse me, might not get through this. There's a bit where uh, Cantona's talking about Ferguson and he starts welling up. <laughs> it's like, it's just too much. If you haven't seen this, just search ITV 1998 Fergie's story or something on youtube and you'll find it it's uh pretty special um watching fergie in the late 90s is such a joy <laughs> that was before it all went you know all went to his head or whatever it's just just pure football 
There's a lot of Kathy in that documentary as well. Have you seen it? Have you seen it recently, Ed? No, not recently, no. Yeah, you mm. should watch it. It's a really yeah. fantastic, a lot of fantastic memories. Of course, a lot of games that you were at, no doubt. Almost certainly, almost certainly, yeah. Right, yeah, so, I mean, Palace, they are definitely going to give United the game, aren't they? But United seem to have got a bit of control away from home. You know, CSKA, Everton, two good results there. Let's not mention the one before that. <laughs> yeah, but it's almost like the one before that was something of a catalyst or a bit of a change, wasn't it? It's kind of... He's definitely adapted in the wake of that. And against Everton, that was super successful and slightly less successful in Moscow and against City. But again, like two points out of those two games is not terrible. Um, this one, this one, we need to win this game, really, I think. You can't really... Certainly, if there's any realistic talk of title, which does seem a long shot, but, but even in terms of just like that, narrowing that points gap, this is the kind of game where... You really want to set your... We shouldn't be thinking, oh, it's Palace, a bit of a tough game. No, I mean, and Palace lost their, t- their last two games. So, you know, this is yeah. this is one that's there for the taking, yeah. for sure. You know, they're a decent side, but but they're, they're, you know, they're sixth now. I'd be re- really surprised if they finished sixth. You know, just above them is Leicester and West Ham are above them. So. Yeah, and us. Uh, yeah, and us. <laughs> yeah, they're at West Ham also within two points of the league title, of the title uh-huh. leaders. So, uh-huh. anyway. Um, can we have a little chat about general football in the Premier League at the moment, Ed? I know we don't normally do this on this show, but there's just so much going on. I feel like it'd be nice to... I'd like to get your opinion on it. Tim Sherwood's gone, right? Has that happened? Has he gone? Is he... Yeah, I, I, I believe so, yeah. I mean, who on earth thought that was a good idea to give him that job? <laughs> <laughs> but look, to be fair to Tim, Tactics Tim... Uh, it's going to be hard to get anyone into that job uh, and be successful. You know, they they just refuse to spend money. And uh, they bought loads of players this summer. Yeah, but they sold quite a few as well. So Benteke, at least. I'm sorry so, to say again, uh, it's Moisey. They lost their two best players. So you reckon Moisey's going to get the job? Or he's about to get the boot at, at, at Real Sociedad, isn't he? So yeah, maybe Moisey's going to Villa. Oof. If I if I was a Villa fan, I'd be absolutely delighted with that because I mean, he's it's like getting Allardyce, isn't it? Basically. You know you're not going to go down if Moise is in charge. Yeah, yeah, but oh, they're, they're depressed enough as it is, Villa fans. <laughs> you wouldn't wish it on them, would you? <laughs> Get the whole of Birmingham um, on suicide watch. Um, then, apart from like Birmingham City fans, would be super happy. Uh, and Allardyce has gone to Sunderland, and Jurgen Klopp's gone to Liverpool. Have we even talked about that? No, um, we haven't. I never liked Klopp anyway. <laughs> Yeah, just don't search for tweets that I may have tweeted about Klopp in the past. I'm not going to pretend, Ed. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I love him. I still love him. I, it's not. No, see, he used to be kind of fun and cool and a bit hipster. Now he's just a bit of a buffoon. <laughs> uh, and uh, t- two games, two draws. Yeah. Klopp is the new Moise. Um Yeah. Uh, it is a bit annoying, though, isn't it, that he's gone to Liverpool? It is, I'm, and in a way, I'm a little bit surprised because he, he reportedly turned down the Barcelona job and the Real Madrid job. And, uh, you know, maybe he likes a challenge or maybe he just doesn't, you know, can't hack it with the big boys. Like, just likes a mid-ranked club. <laughs> That's definitely the cynical take on it, isn't it? But, I, you know, he did say, like, he didn't want a proper big team in, in the summer and then he took over Liverpool it's quite funny um, but I mean I do think it does lean more towards the fact that like he doesn't necessarily want to be just 
managing one of the super clubs he wants to give himself a well, he's certainly not doing that <laughs> he certainly isn't um yeah anyway i don't know Klopp. Um, mind, you, mind you, Liverpool do have a game in hand on many teams, not well, not United, so win that and uh, they'll be knocking on the doors of the top four. They can have West Ham's place in that top four. They can have Chelsea's place in the top four because that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. What on earth is going on? The half the squad that we're knocking off Ava Carnero reportedly says hey, the red tops in you know their disgusting way that they do uh, apparently don't like what happened to her. That's one narrative. And Jesse appears to have lost the lost the dressing room somewhat and uh, <laughs> and lost the run of himself at the same time. That is like the worst ever transition from title winning squad to losing the dressing room in record time isn't it it's like literally just won the league you just won the league five minutes ago you won the league now what are you doing um but yeah that's it's crazy that it's happened so quickly and so half their games you know and it's uh they're out of the title race already right 11 points behind so um, and it, they're going to have to go some to make sure they get into the Champions League. Nine points behind the Champions League places. Would you, if you were a Bramwich, would you just sack Mourinho now? It, it would cost him like twenty-five million pounds to do it. Oh, that's really so. going to hurt a Bramwich, isn't it? Oh no! Oh, wherever will I find twenty-five million yes. pounds? Oh, look down the back of my sofa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, you don't become a bad manager after 10 games of a season like you shouldn't become a bad team after 10 games of the season. So there's definitely something odd going on at Chelsea. I, I'm not quite sure what it is. There's, it, it doesn't really look tactical. When you look at them, most of it seems to be individual performances from individual players. Um, and, you know, Matic has gone completely off the boil. Their centre-backs are not working, definitely not scoring enough goals. And Aiden Hazard apparently wants out. Or if he doesn't, you know, hopefully he does, because yeah, we'll we'll give you a go, mate. You know, <laughs> opening on the left hand side there. Yeah, I think it's going to be Madrid or Paris for Hazard, isn't it? And an absolutely humongous fee, rightly so. Yeah, um, so it's kind of interesting to see Marino fall into that same pattern. And it, it, it's this is about the time he'd be doing it with United if he'd got the job instead of Moyes as well. So. Thank goodness for small mercies and all that. Um, right, so I guess we have to predict scores. Uh, I'm going to say 4-0 versus Middlesbrough. Okay. Just because. I'm going with 3-1 because three goals seems to be the number we score. It's true, actually, yeah. Well, I'm just going, going bold. Okay. I like to sit on the fence here. Yeah, uh, And uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory at Palace. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory at Palace. There we go. Keep a clean sheet there. Ballsy. <laughs> and we'll be back uh, same time-ish next week to talk about all that stuff. Very good. Have a good week. And uh, yeah, enjoy the two games and see you then.